Hello everyone and welcome to episode 76 of Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host Joe Yang. Thanks for listening. And for all you new and first-time listeners, welcome. Glad to have you with us. My guest today has been dancing tango for over 20 years and is also a well-known DJ. He DJs regularly in Tucson, Arizona, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Santa Fe, New Mexico, but also makes the rounds at various tango festivals all over the world. And with me now is Paul Akmajian. Paul, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Oh, you're very welcome. Good to talk to you too, Joe. Yeah. So you started tango back in the late 90s. So what made you want to try it? Well, it's a funny story. Yeah, it was in 1998. Mm -hmm. My wife and I took some swing dance classes, uh, East Coast jitterbug Mm -hmm. classes, just to do something together. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, We had a young teacher that was really fun to work with. And Mm -hmm. we were progressing, you know, pretty well. But a friend of ours who had done some tango Mm -hmm. suggested that we try it. And my initial response was, you know, really? Tango? (laughs) You know, my only frame of reference was the stereotype of the rose in the teeth and Mm -hmm. Rudolph Valentino, that kind of thing. But we signed up for this uh, six-week class with uh, the local teacher mm-hmm. in uh, Albuquerque, and there was something about it that just grabbed hold, mm. you know, uh, as is the case with, I think, a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, the music, for one, really spoke to me, uh, I think, early on, and that kept me engaged, I think, and going, uh, aside from all the other aspects that were of tango that are great, you know, just hugging someone and moving to music and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Although I was going to quit many times. Oh, really? Frustrating. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get it. It was too difficult. You know, it's a, it's a, not the easiest road. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you got bitten by that tango bug and yeah. That, yeah. So many people can relate to that. I'm sure. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so over the course of your own learning, what's some memorable advice about the dance that you've gotten from teachers that still resonate with you today? Yeah, gosh, you know, uh, over the 20 years that I've danced, I've had a lot of teachers taking a lot of classes, and I've gotten things from just about every one of them. Mm -hmm. There are some things that have stuck with me longer than others. Um, I was lucky way back in the early days of my tango. I happened to be at a conference for work mm-hmm. in uh, Seattle mm. at the same time that Carlos Gavito was there oh, giving right. a workshop. Mm-hmm. Of course, I knew of him from the famous videos of him dancing with, um, God, what is her name? Um, the famous one from uh, Forever Tango. Oh, yeah. Um, um, yeah um, I'm blanking. <laughs> yeah, I know her, and I've danced mm-hmm. with her since. I got to find that name. Uh, anyway, he was giving this workshop, and she was there as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was this dream come true in a way. Mm-hmm. But some of the things he said really have stayed with me. Like one of the things he said was how valuable it is to pause in the dance. Mm-hmm. And he had a very practical reason for pausing many times, which was simply to have a little time, give himself a little time Mm -hmm. 
to think of what he wants to do next, which sounds kind of trivial, but <laughs> is is really um, actually uh, quite brilliant because I, I do that myself sometimes. I'll, I'll just find a place in the music to pause and give it a little more time than usual mm-hmm. and it, think of maybe something a little more creative as to what to do next. Mm-hmm. And it really helps. And uh, the other thing he did was this exercise, which was really interesting, mm-hmm. which was to, he had everyone just dance one dance with everybody the oh, way nice. we normally do. Mm-hmm. And then he said, okay, now this time I want you to dance with the same partner, but think this time of something from your past, hmm. maybe your first girlfriend, the first time you kissed, mm-hmm. uh, the first time you fell in love, and hold that memory, this really nice memory, looking back, hold that with you as you dance, mm. and see if it makes any difference. Huh. And it really made a difference. It made a difference in how engaged you felt with the music and with your partner. Mm-hmm. And having that focus changed things about the dance. It was it made it more profound in many ways. Yeah. It wasn't just this casual kind of dancing figures and blah, blah, blah. You know, it was kind of like this other aspect that made it much deeper. Yeah. So that was really great. Yeah, yeah. What makes me think of method acting in a way? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Paul, you eventually got into DJing. So, can you tell us how that happened? Sure. That sort of came about through travels to festivals uh, early on in the early days, uh, going to the Denver Festival for mm-hmm. one back in the early 2000s mm-hmm. and getting the chance to hear really good DJing, you know, from people like Robin Thomas and Mm -hmm. Robert Hawk and, um, and others and hearing their music and how they put things together and thinking, wait a minute, this is not like the music we're hearing back at our local Milongas back home. Mm -hmm. And so I decided from that, that I would start doing some DJing Mm -hmm. locally Mm -hmm to bring it more in line with the best practices, you know, that I was hearing at festivals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, early on, I um, was able to get music from other generous people and mm-hmm. DJs and, you know, beg, borrow and steal. And mm-hmm. some of the files that I got were less than great quality, but mm-hmm. I didn't know the difference really at that point. Mm-hmm. But that's how I got started, okay. uh, just simply as a response to hearing really good DJs and deciding that's what we needed in our community. Mm, okay. What was your first time DJing like? Do you remember? The first time DJing, well, you know, it was this. This is going to sound like really ancient history, that's but it right. was. It was we at that point in time burned CDs. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we had we had CD players, mm-hmm. dual CD players to switch back and forth and it was so it was more of a playlist mm-hmm. putting together a playlist and trying to make it a seamless, you know, program of music playing on CDs. Mm. And uh very different than what we do now, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, before the digital age, or right around. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So was it was it was it at a local Milonga where you DJed for the first time? Yep, it was at a local Milonga. The Tango Club of Albuquerque uh, does a Tuesday night Milonga, and they have been going for over twenty years throughout my entire tango career. Mm-hmm. Still going on, very popular night Tuesday mm-hmm. nights in Albuquerque. And uh, so it was at one of those milongas that I DJ the nice. first time. So yeah. what went what went through your mind over the night? Did you did you see it working? Were you scared? Were you excited? I was excited to share the music with people, mm-hmm. the format with people, which entailed doing actual tandas and cortinas. Mm-hmm. Which before that it was really kind of a mishmash, mm-hmm. and cortinas were actually frowned upon because it was seen as kind of a waste of dance time. You know, why would we pause when we can just keep (laughs) dancing? That kind of thing. Yeah, it was a very different culture Mm -hmm. at that that time. Mm -hmm. So I was excited to share the kind of uh, the uh, the format of it. And it's been too long. I don't remember exactly Mm -hmm. if I was nervous. I probably was. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember the music the playlist, any kind of thing like that. And now you are known for traveling and DJing at at festivals. So how did you get started doing DJing at festivals? Well, I think, uh, you know, DJing at festivals can be a little bit tricky, you know, as, as far as getting started, because mm-hmm. the first thing that organizers want to know is, is if you have DJed at other festivals. Mm-hmm. And so getting that first festival can be really tricky. Luckily, good friends and people that I had DJed for, for Mm -hmm. special milongas, holiday milongas, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and who knew my DJing and trusted me Mm -hmm. and were willing to hire me for the first time. Mm -hmm. Early on, I got gigs at the Tucson Tango Festival, Mm -hmm. as well as the the Albuquerque Festival, Mm -hmm. which started as a um, kind of a alternate venue from Denver back in 2008, I guess it was, the Democratic Convention was happening in um, Denver and there were no hotel rooms. It was around the same time as the festival. So Tom Sturmitz decided to move the festival to Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. So that was, I was, it was sort of my local area and I was able to DJ at that. But I guess I had DJed before that at festivals. Okay. But mostly it was Tucson and, um, gosh, <laughs> it's all a blur. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing this for a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, so when you're organizing a tanda or tandas throughout the night, because you're, you're up there spitting for a really long time, so do you have a conscious strategy of, of what you're going to play when, or is, this, or is it a very intuitive process? Uh, it's very intuitive for me. Mm-hmm. I set up a few tandas to get started. And I usually start with uh, something that's kind of a medium rhythm. And then I then I go from there. And I often start with Darienzo instrumentals mm-hmm. from 37, 38, sometimes 36. Okay. And I find those are like the perfect just nice starting point for a milonga mm-hmm. i always start with something like that and then usually a couple more tandas and then i start just building it as on the fly mm-hmm. and my strategy is always 
to vary from tanda to tanda mm -hmm. so that the energy isn't kind of a flat line, but mm -hmm. either becomes more energetic or less energetic, depending on where we are in the cycle. Mm -hmm. And what I like to do is to build the energy toward the valse or milanga tanda mm -hmm. and then lessen the energy right after mm -hmm. those so that there's a nice variation people don't get tired mm -hmm. what i find sometimes is that if i'm at a milanga and the the energy is just sort of the same mm -hmm. it is tiring people mm -hmm. they may not consciously know it but they get a little bit tired and they're not ready to like jump up and get the next tanda mm. the way they they should, you know. Yeah. Marcel, by Go the ahead. way, Marcella Duran, <laughs> Marcella Duran is yeah. the one. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that was the partner of Carlos Gavito. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It's funny how these things just pop back into your head. Yeah. Golly. Yeah. Better, better yeah. now than at 3 a.m., right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So when it comes to, to the music, I mean, you've been, you know, you know so much about the music now. So was, well, so describe the process of you learning more about uh, the music as I started interesting, interesting, uh, I just started getting more and more interested in it. Sure. The, you know, there's, there's a part of DJing that is, that is not quite as sexy and that is the organizing of the music mm -hmm. um it's more like a task of a, of a librarian yeah than, than a sexy <laughs> dj up there with a, but it's a hugely important and essential part of learning about the music mm -hmm. and being able to work with the music as a dj and that is to make sure that all the music you have is labeled and tagged in the correct way mm. with uh, years and singers and, of course, orchestras. And so that you can lump it together mm -hmm. in an organized way and then start to see it in periods of time mm -hmm. and with, you know, by vocals, by singer, by all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And... That is a is a process that takes time and care, and it's an ongoing process because mm -hmm. um, as you get new music, you have to get that done correctly. Um, although a lot of it now is already tagged, like music that you might buy from Tango Tunes mm -hmm. is tagged really well. And mm -hmm. so, but back in the early days, ripping from CDs and things like that, and even before the databases were out, out on the internet, mm -hmm. it was a manual job. And you had had to get that done. You had to research it. Mm. But that, that part of it is, is really important to learning about the music. And the other thing is just from dancing for so many years and, and hearing the same catalog of music mm -hmm. in different combinations just mm. over and over and over mm -hmm. really makes you know about it in mm -hmm. an intimate way and um, understand it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure you've traveled to many places to dance and you hear the same music. And even though this is stuff from the 30s, 40s, 50s, somehow, it, it, I, I don't know if you feel this way, but it, it never gets old. It never gets tiring. No, exactly. Yeah. Never get tired of it. Yeah. What, yep. are, your, what are your Here's... thoughts about that? I, I've been trying to put my finger on it. I'm not quite, <laughs> quite sure. <laughs> well, there's a complexity to it that allows you to always find new things to hear in the music mm -hmm. 
the structure of it is such that in the phrasing of the the music mm -hmm. there are distinct phrases that change segments that change from one to the other mm -hmm. and the instrumentation the arrangements allow you to hear different instruments at different times or focus mm -hmm. your listening on different instruments at different times so that the same song you know you, you'll hear something else mm -hmm. each time you hear it it's, it's just amazing yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. alternative Good. alternative music oftentimes it starts one way and it just goes through the song and then it ends and it's pretty much the same throughout mm -hmm. not every alternative right, song right. but there are quite a, a number of them that are that way mm -hmm. and i i used to dj some alternative but i'm mm -hmm. i don't anymore i just mm -hmm. i don't feel confident about it and I, I haven't kept up with it yeah. there are other djs that do a really good job and i i just i don't I'm not one of them, and I don't dance to it that much. But every once in a while, there's a song that does appeal to me, and I find the right partner, and it's fabulous. But it's yeah. few and far between. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really hard to find a good alternative song that has the same sort of lasting quality that a classic one does. Yeah, no, I, I know. Yeah, I, know. I remember a while back, you know, Gotan Project was all the rage. Now people are like, oh, I'm tired of that song. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the right, Sarleys right. or something like that's never going to go out yeah. of style. Yeah. yeah, it's very possible to get mm -hmm. um, burnt out on, on the alternative songs. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the Tango songs, I mean, they've lasted 80, 90 years, you yeah. know. It's amazing, yeah. So, yeah, Paul, you get the opportunity to observe a lot of people while you're up in that DJ booth. So do you notice that different festivals that you DJ sort of have their own personalities? Yeah, for sure. And aside from festivals, I also DJ the marathons and now there's the Encuentros, which are smaller events, more intimate, gender balanced, and which follow the codigos of men and women sitting on opposite sides of the room or, you know, in sections and using Cabaseo, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So there are differences among festivals. Some, I think, are, I find, I, I observe more bigger dancers, more showy dancers, more dancers that seem to be dancing for people watching. Mm -hmm. And then it runs the gamut all the way to the Encuentro, where it's very much just a pure social dance situation mm -hmm. and close embrace, Milongaro style. Mm -hmm. Those Encuentros are nice because everyone is on the same page, basically. Mm -hmm. You don't have anybody showboating. You don't have anybody uh, doing big things. It's all mm -hmm. very much consistent. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Okay. Yeah, you must be a great people watcher. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It is fun. I really love watching the dancers from the DJ table. Mm -hmm. It's just fabulous. I mean, I I don't know. I, I have come to really love the whole tango community and regardless of which festival, where they are, that's it's just great. I just love all the all I just love everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So as a matter of your own personal taste, Paul, what are what are some of your favorite songs or orchestras? Yeah, yeah. I, that's always people always ask me, "What's your mm -hmm. favorite orchestra?" Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's a tough call. It's a tough question because um, yeah. and it does change. It evolves. I mean, 
the music that makes me want to get up and dance every time mm-hmm. is Biaggi. I love mm-hmm. Biaggi. Mm-hmm. And I love a lot of Darienzo. Some of the later Darienzo with a chagwe that gets into more of the 50s or the late 40s, mm-hmm. I find is a little bit over the top mm-hmm. and sort of like jackhammer rhythmic, <laughs> um, yeah. which I'm not as crazy about. But uh, most of Darienzo, fabulous. I love it. And then there's the Distarli, mm-hmm. which I adore some of the late Dasarli instrumentals from 55, 56, mm. like uh, Nueve Puntos and uh, songs like that. Just I just absolutely adore. But there's a lot that I like. There's not that much that I don't like, but mm. I'm not so crazy about late, heavy vocals. Um, I'm not a big fan of, say, Varela. And uh, I never play um, Gobi or, you know, I don't play much De Angelis. I never play De Angelis except for the valses. Okay. Yeah, that was going to be my other question about the other side of the coin. What are some song or songs or composers that you're not quite as partial to? So, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just for no, for no rational reason at all, the song uh, Felicia for some reason, I, I just despise that song. I don't know why. <laughs> there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I just, I just don't. <laughs> so, oh wow! I don't know. That's that's fascinating. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I still, I still do sometimes play it because it, it is fun to dance to for a lot of people. But yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So there are a lot of small com- people from small communities out there who might be listening, and they may be uh, thinking about DJing themselves. What, uh, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, I think I would encourage everyone who's interested in DJing to do it, to to get started. And it not only, I think, helps your community, but it helps your own dancing. Knowing more about the music and just listening more to the music informs your dancing, makes you a better dancer. And to get started, the first thing, I think, is to look at some, some good websites out there that give you some good tips and pointers on orchestras that kind of like the the basic orchestras that we dance to mm-hmm. and i'm trying to pull up my website here so because mm-hmm. i do have that uh, <laughs> there's tangodj.org mm-hmm. and there's a whole thing there about building a collection advice for newbies Mm -hmm. there's a lot of links out there guide to orchestras by dan bocha Mm -hmm. there's so that tangodj.org is a good resource Mm -hmm. to uh, go to to get information there's all kinds of stuff on there which is great Mm -hmm. number two is collecting music a lot of times there are folks who have some music that they can give you to get started and then there's there are some Really good websites out there now to purchase music mm-hmm. like tangotunes.com, mm. which has been digitizing music directly from shellacs and doing a fantastic job. Wow. And you can get some really high quality music from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been replacing a lot of the uh, older versions that I have that are not as good quality with mm. some of the really high quality from Tango Tunes. And okay. really makes a difference. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so Paul, I'm sure you have a massive collection of songs, but are you still discovering other tango tunes that you haven't heard before? 
Yeah, a little, a little bit every once in a while, for sure. I hear different songs I've never heard, but the big question is whether I want to incorporate them into a tanda mm-hmm. to play at a milonga, because one of the most important and valued things that people want to hear is familiar music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's okay to throw out lesser known things at times and maybe in a certain position in the tanda mm-hmm. it can work but i find that sticking with the most familiar music is really the best and you can't go wrong i mean mm-hmm. people will not ding you for playing familiar music yeah all right. So, Paul, this has been a lot of fun. So how do we find out more about you online? Well, I do have a, a uh, website, tangopaul.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Real yeah. easy. All right. Tangopaul.com. Yeah. All right. We'll have that in our has a little notes. bit about me and about the gigs that I'm DJing and have DJed in the past and nice. things like that. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'll have that in the show notes so people will be able to look you up. Cool. Great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Paul, thank you so much again for taking the time to speak to me. It's really nice to, to talk at length with a, with a DJ because it's not just going up there and just pressing play. There's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes to, to make your, your belongas go smoothly. So, Yep, uh, yep. Yeah. Well, you're so welcome, Joe. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Earlier in the interview, while we were talking about his experiences learning tango, I really liked what he had to say about pausing every once in a while. As leaders, we don't have to move to every bit of the music. Pausing can be an effective way to express the music, and as Paul mentioned, it also gives leaders a practical opportunity to strategize on what to do next. And before Paul knew he'd be a DJ, he said there was something about classic tango music that drew him in. And he was taught to not just listen to the music while dancing, but to listen and dance while recalling an emotional memory. It's an effective thing to try, and I'm sure a lot of you listening are already doing it. And if you're new to tango and have somehow been feeling compelled to recall sweet or sad memories while dancing, then keep it up. You're on the right track. I also like what Paul said about the the behind-the-scenes work of being a good tango DJ, of researching orchestras and songs and becoming familiar with the music on an intellectual level. Not all of us tango fans may be aspiring DJs, but looking into the history of the orchestras, the composers, the singers, etc. is actually quite interesting. There are a lot of neat stories and historical anecdotes, and they will give us new insights into becoming more musical dancers overall. So thank you again, Paul, for sharing your story and giving us some interesting details about the Tango DJ experience. Very good stuff. And thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. I really appreciate your support. And if you haven't already, please take a second to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and go ahead and give it a five-star rating. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. 